We know that uh, the most important thing that people come is to hear the Word of God and to hear from personalities that the Lord has seen fit to place in the ministry. And that's what's so exciting. I think about a Bible conference. There's a lot of meetings you can have. Protractor meetings are wonderful. We're going to call the Bible meetings. Those are wonderful. But I think it's good to hear from a sort of men. And uh, pity the poor church that whose pastor doesn't want them to be uh, inoculated through other men, blessed through other men. And uh, I, I, some of these some of them that the best preachers I know. And I try to bring the, the better preachers, I really do. And so it's an honor to have Dr. Gail Terrell. He uh, was my professor for, for many years. And uh, he's a, a man that I respect highly, love him in the Lord, and has, has been very active. I would say there's three things he's very active in now. He's active in Christian education. He's active, I think, in, in creation research. Uh, I think, I'm not a prophet, but I think the day, the future still may uh, hold. I, let me say this. I, I really do. If I had to choose between to go hear Henry Morse and to hear Gail Terrell, I would go hear Gail Terrell. Henry Morse is a great man. Dr. Terrell knows how to teach creation, uh, creationism, and bring it down to our level, make it interesting. Held debates against evolutionists, and uh, I say God's using mightily. And then the third area would be pastoral work. So he's pastor of Grace Baptist Church near Hamilton, Ohio. It's a pleasure to have you. Come ahead, brother, and uh, speak to our people. Hey, are you ready? Your pastor is 
outline is in this one. These are New Testament outlines, the Old Testament outline. Each uh, book of the Bible is outlined by a different preacher. And uh, these are the outlines of the major and minor prophets, which one by a different preacher. And these are outlines of the uh, 12 historical books of the Old Testament, each one by a different preacher. And this next May, we will conclude the entire outline of the Bible with uh, the Pentateuch and the Poetical Books. And then we'll have uh, well, some of them will go and bind together if you like them all together. They're pretty thick set at that point. The entire Bible will be outlined by uh, preachers that you all are familiar with that uh, you can consider reliable for furthering your Bible study. They're actually genetic type of outlines, which means they don't get too much into some of the controversies of how does this verse fit into eschatology. It's just, what's this verse saying? And you learn its content, and then you keep studying that, and uh, you can talk to a lot of people about how some of them fit together, and it's confusing in some cases anyway, so we just want to be sure you know what the Bible says, and where it says those things, and then you can search through it for further study yourself as well. In the summary of the Bible, uh, I have a couple here too. This is another brochure uh, my church has uh, published, the Bible of Science versus Evolution and Theology. Brother Farrell said that's sort of a, a fun area for me. I've taught science now in colleges and schools um, 25 years or something like that from a creation perspective. And this is a summary of some of my outlines and some interesting uh, data that demonstrates the earth is not millions of years old or billions of years old, but just a few thousand years old. You can look through that as well. I have some of those there. I'll be in the back there somewhere. And you can well. The summary of the Bible, book by book, I'd like to turn to the portion that gives you a New Testament summary. My topic is the land's sufferings before Calvary. This New Testament summary, uh, the first portion of there is an outline of the life of Christ. And we're going to be looking together through this outline at some verses that demonstrate the suffering of Jesus before Calvary. And as we look to that, I want you to focus your hearts on this particular verse, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39. Focus your attention on that verse as we look at these Gospels and the suffering of Jesus. Put this thought in your heart. Have you encountered circumstances in your life where you have prayed, asking God to remove the difficulty? And then realize, as Brother Gilbert's Brother the Blood states, and the Word of God reveals, faith is your victory. You may go right through that. God promises you deliverance. It may be from difficulty, it may be through difficulty, but you have deliverance. And when your faith is completely and totally in Him, you have victory in that very point. And it, and it doesn't mean we have to demand. Uh, this is particularly going to occur before we get victory. If your faith is in the Lord fully and completely, you have victory right there. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to those who have called according to His purpose. Now I'm convinced that it means everything. Everything. Everything that you might consider bad. Even in your life, God says He'll bring good out of it. That's no excuse to sin. 
But the wonderful promise is God is going to bring good out of everything. Maybe you'll be an example for the misbehaving in the past, like Satan. That doesn't mean that you could be sinned and suffer some of those consequences. But God does say and give you this promise. All things work together for good. But have you prayed in times of great turmoil, difficulty in your life? Lord, remove this problem. The Bible says that Jesus suffered. And being tempted, he's able to secure them with a temple. chapter 5, verse 18. Jesus suffered like that also in his human flesh. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 shows us that. Jesus went a little further. Luke says he went about a stone's throw distance from the other disciples. There he was in the garden of his stomach. He went a little further. He had just left the Passover meal. He had the members, some of the members there of his church gathered together. The apostles were with him. The Lord's Supper had been instituted and had begun. Jesus explained what that meant. Then he traveled across the Kippen Valley, which is a deep gorge separating Jerusalem from a two-mile-long range called the Mount of Olives. And as he went through that valley and up, maybe a third of the distance up that mountain, he came to a, a garden area where there were many olive trees called Gethsemane. Jesus is now in Gethsemane here in Matthew chapter 26. And it is, he takes with him Peter, James, and John. And he asks them to stop and pray for them and watch. He goes about a stone's throw distance beyond that, Luke says. And then, comes this, Matthew 26, 39 says. And pray, saying, O oh my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. We're coming to a time that culminates the sufferings of Jesus all through his life here in the flesh. He prays, as many of us maybe have prayed. Or as many will yet pray, Lord, remove from me this great difficulty and suffering. And he shows us with his example, nevertheless, not my will to die in God does strengthen. Luke says an angel came and comforted him. And we don't know what happened at that point or what, how the angel did that. But you can be assured that you too will be comforted. And this is our example. Christ is our example. Realizing then that we're, we will conclude this evening's messages with the culmination of the suffering of the cross of Calvary. Let's go back now to the beginning portions of the Gospels and look together at the sufferings of Jesus throughout his life. Jesus is called the Creator. I am all things. Maybe as a parent, some of you are parents and older, maybe you had a child that you taught who as they grew older rebelled against the truth and rebelled against you. And you know the heartbreak of that. 
Jesus is identified as the creator. And the culminating event of all creation, that event for which everything had been prepared, not over billions of years or millions of years, but in that week of creation, God brought forth the universe and all that it contains, and then placed on the earth the culminating event of creation, the creation of man in his image. Maybe a parent who's had a child rebel senses somewhat what happened to Adam and Eve rebelled against their creator and against his purpose for them. And down through the centuries, mankind has spread over the world has inherited this nature of rebellion against God. And finally, then, the creator came, and as the word of God records, he emptied himself or made himself of no reputation. In the weakness of man was born and subjected himself to the full scope of human development in the flesh. His creation, in his image, man, rebelled again. Demonstrated the rebelliousness that is clearly in the heart of each one of us. And crucified the creator of the cross of Calvary. And throughout the life of Jesus, said, human flesh, he was persecuted. By his creation. In Matthew chapter 1 and 2, as you see here in the outline, the first section of Christ's life I've identified as his birth and childhood period. And as he was born physically, There was no place for him. His creation was not offering him a place. There was no room in the end. Jesus was born in the stable. In Matthew chapter 2, angered and jealous Herod sent soldiers to destroy all the male children in Bethlehem, leaders of ancient Rome, in an attempt to destroy Jesus. Herod brought unparalleled suffering to that community. <coughs> Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, born of an angel, escaped and fled to a foreign land, where a foreign language was And then in Matthew chapter 3, they return to Nazareth. Jesus, now growing up in Nazareth, reaches his maturity, and in Matthew chapter 3, commences a Judean ministry going forth into the southern half of the nation. And he presents himself, <coughs> presents himself, <coughs> For Baptist, they did quite some And in Matthew chapter 3, verse 15, as Jesus stood before John the Baptist, here are his first words of public ministry recorded in the scriptures. Jesus said, Suffer it to be so. In other words, suffer there is a word that involves permission. And Jesus, throughout the rest of the Gospels, 
permitted others to persecute him. At any moment, he could have called the forces of the universe together and destroyed those who had rebelled against him and who were persecuting him. Suffer it to be so, Jesus said, as he submitted to baptism, which would picture his death, burial, and resurrection. For thus it become of us to fulfill all righteousness that he suffered him, and Jesus was baptized. Throughout the ministry of Jesus, then, as some listened, others united in rebellion against him. In the next section of his ministry, the great Galilean ministry, which lasted about 18 months, most of the miracles and the parables were performed by Jesus during this time. His headquarters were at Capernaum. He chose the 12 apostles, preached the Sermon on the Mount, toured Galilee, went back into Jerusalem. And during this period of time, John the Baptist was beheaded also. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, after his baptism, was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Forty days and forty nights, he suffered through a period of fasting. He was afterward hungry. Jesus was hungry. Jesus was secretly tired. Jesus suffered pain. He suffered like any of us might suffer, or will suffer in this He was afflicted as we are afflicted. He has compassion for us. Jesus withdrew into a ministry of withdrawals, <clears throat> crossed the Sea of Galilee, fed 5,000 people, get away from the press of the crowd. And chapter 8, verse 20, Jesus said, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. During this period of time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were watching Jesus with jealous eyes. And the Pharisees said in Matthew chapter 9, verse 34, He cast about devils through the prince of And so they called him names. Have you suffered that experience in your life? He called names because of your witness for Christ? Do you avoid witnessing to people because you fear their response? Jesus continued on. He's our example. You continue on. I never forget us. Chemical engineer in the firm in Cincinnati. There's a man in the lab there who was a chemist and he was under contract to do some work for me and worked for the same company and we contracted out different labs for different purposes. And uh, he knew I was a Christian. He knew I was a Baptist. And when I walked into his lab area, he would start testing. I asked him not to do that because I found it's offensive. I, I told him it's offensive when you take my Lord's name and your baby like that. And he made a point to do it more, to curse more, and stop him from cursing so much. I could, I could go in there so much. Because I didn't want to cause him to keep cursing God. I walked in one day and he saw me coming in. And, and when he saw me, he looked up to the top of the ceiling there and he said, If there's a God, let him strike me dead now. I, I got out of there. <laughs> now the Lord 
didn't come down and submit to him as a servant would do what he said. And I was thankful because I was standing there too. And I didn't want to be there that happened. But I tried to avoid him somewhat because I still tried to witness to him, but I didn't want to cast him close to the swine. I didn't want him to continue with that kind of cursing. I couldn't figure why would this person curse Christ and curse the name of God to such a great extent. How terrible was he more? Then I found out his wife faithfully attended a Baptist church. Oh, I only had to work with him when I could avoid him, usually. His wife had come to him. Can you continue with consistent testimony amongst those who would challenge, who would ridicule the Jesus Jesus suffered through that type of abuse as the Pharisees called him names and said he cast out devils through the prince of devils. Chapter 12, verse 14, the Pharisees then went out and held a council against him. How about destroying him? So they were seeking ways to attract him, watching every word. Don't we all like to be appreciated by our family and by our friends. Jesus, God in the flesh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 57, Jesus had desires like ours were created in his age. Even fallen man is described as having been created in God's image, fallen though it is. Jesus was preaching there in Nazareth and his mother and sisters and brothers. These would be his half-sisters and half-brothers. Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, 56, and 57 came near him. And they said, who is this? And all the friends said, who is this person? He's your brother, he's your sister. His mother is married, his father is chosen. He's a carpenter's son. Verse 57, and his own family, they were offended. Have you suffered through that in your life also, where your family is offended because of your testimony for Christ? Maybe they don't invite you to the family party, where who knows what activities might be occurring. Or maybe they don't invite, invite you to the block party where you live, where you, some of the neighbors, they don't want you around. I know some people who have not been promoted on jobs because upper management did not want them around as a conscience to prick them when they made decisions that cheated others. I know people in large companies who did not attain it beyond a certain level because of their honesty, because they were Christians. Upper management wanted to kept secret how they achieved millions of dollars. They were offended in Jesus, and Jesus said to them, Chapter 13, verse 57. A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. What sadness. Jesus was not honored, though he had brought himself in submission and in humility into this family. In chapter 16 and verse 21. 
From that time forth began Jesus to show his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again on the third day. Now while we're looking at this and considering the rest of the messages of the week, I want you to stop and consider how many times Jesus has warned the apostles of his impending death, crucifixion. And yet when it happened, they were all confused. They were amazed at what was going on. How many times do we have to read portions of the Bible? And yet when the truth is clearly before us, we act as if we're amazed and don't know what's going on. I don't know if you act that way with an offering basket. What, what, what? Amazement, what's this? And all the messages of the Word of God that's made it clear, the tithing, giving of offerings and support of the Lord's work. There's an amazement. What's that? Or when it's time to go out and tell others about the Lord, or time to come together for additional Bible studies to help in the furthering the learning of individuals in the Word of God. Amazement. What am I doing? What's this? I've got to do more. Jesus told them over and over what would happen. Yet, they fled. They were confused. What did he have? In the fifth portion of this outline of the life of Christ, the three of them, three, it lasted six months. During this time, Jesus left Galilee, sent out his 70 disciples, not to Most of us don't like to have around us all the time people who hate us. People who despise us. People who are just waiting for an opportunity to stab us in the back. Do you like to hear about people like that? I don't. But in age of heart, Jesus had the apostle like that. Right. Who waited constantly for the opportunity to criticize the rest when Jesus was born to the perfect. Why don't you sell that and give it to the poor? Challenge, question, sit out with the rest. Right. No one knew he was the betrayer except Jesus. He said, Have I not chosen you twelve to one of the devil? Jesus knew it. Right. right from the beginning. And there was a public. Constantly dogging, looking for that opportunity to betray him as he eventually did. Sit out with the seventy, sit out with the apostles. He was baptized by John the Baptist, as you later see, was a requirement to be an apostle. Right. Are there people here baptized by Baptists who, like Judas, are not really following Christ, but rather are opportunists? Maybe looking for a way to just sort of live a good life for a while. Or sort of a copycat kind of lifestyle. Judas copied the other apostles in his behavior, so they weren't aware that he was a betrayer. But there he was. Jesus suffered through that experience of having this one with him constantly, stealing, lying, deceiving. In the time of this creative ministry, Jesus went down into Judea again. And there in Judea, as John describes it, Jesus came to 
the funeral of Lazarus. Have you been saddened and suffered through an experience where someone very close to you has died? The Bible shows us Jesus suffered through those experiences also. Lazarus was his friend, Mary and Martha were his friends. And Jesus came to them. And they said, verse 32 of John chapter 11, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother would not die. Jesus therefore saw her weeping, that was Mary. And the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And then the shortest verse of the scripture is there, verse 35. Jesus wept. He has suffered through experiences somewhat akin to what we suffer, but far beyond it. For he was the creator of Right. Right. And in submission to the God, he suffered through these experiences and limited himself. As we in humanity are limited. And weakened himself. And did not call forth the power that was his. So that he might truly be our Savior. The last week of the suffering before us now, in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39, the verse I read there at the beginning. Jesus fell on his face and prayed. Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Have you had good friends say they will help you? In your church, do you have times when you call for a special presence of your people, whether it's a special time of visitation or a special time of prayer, or maybe a special offering taken to help someone in need? Or to help with a new building project, or to help with a missionary. And then it seems people just lay, sit down or lay down and rest. They don't jump in there and participate. Don't do their part of the mission. A few show up, and the rest stay home. Look what happened to Jesus as he suffered through this experience. In the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus prayed, Let this cup pass from me, verse 39 of Matthew 26. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Then he cometh unto his disciples and findeth them asleep. And said unto Peter, Why could you not watch with me one hour? And your friends disappointed you. Jesus is his turn to offer Watch and pray, Jesus said, verse 41, that she enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away a second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. He came and found them asleep again. God, had they asked in prayer, would have empowered them to remain awake. But they fell asleep. And those who Jesus asked to watch and pray and help him became those over whom Jesus watched and prayed and helped them. Right. 
He came down in his sleep, for their eyes were very heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. And come and teach his disciples and said unto them, Sleep now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed. Into the hands of sinners rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray. There's some further scriptures that give us some insight concerning the suffering of Jesus in the flesh. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, we find a description of Jesus in this fashion, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned the obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obeyed him. Suffering. Luke chapter 24, verse 24 answers a serious question concerning suffering. Back in 1970, approximately, I remember reading Charles Darwin's autobiography. It was compiled from his notes and letters and published by his granddaughter after he died. Of course, Darwin was a very confused. I don't believe he was ever saved. Uh, there were some rumors and tracts distributed to the extent that he was, but my research into that leads me to believe that he was never converted, never trusted the Lord, sad to say, as far as the evidence is demonstrated. Darwin said in his notes, How can there be a God when people suffer? If I were God, I would eliminate all suffering, children born with deformities and disease. Why suffering? Why did Jesus have to suffer? Why couldn't there have been another way? All of us may have questions somewhere like that at some time in our lives. There are many around us who still have those questions. I'm convinced. No one will ever fully understand without God's Holy Spirit enlightening them. And that's what we find in Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Jesus said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. This is after the resurrection and Jesus is speaking to them. And he said that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened their understanding. They didn't understand why all this happened, why Jesus would have to suffer this way either. And he opened their understanding, verse 45, that they might understand the scriptures. And said unto him, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name of all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, ye are witnesses of these things. Why suffering? You might as well ask, why gravity? Right. And some people have asked that. Why do we have gravity? Why, why would you do such a thing? Why couldn't we do it this way or the other way or whatever? Well, you might ask some questions, but you had better not attempt to defy God's plan and laws. Try to defy the law of gravity. Jump off the Grand Canyon. Jump off a high doom. And see what your question of why means to you. Death. Nothing. 
who might ask, why does God permit suffering and disease and such? And we see in Genesis, it's because of man's rebellion. It's a constant reminder to man that he needs more than he has. We finally face death, the finality of this life. And as people grow older, they become more and more acutely aware that they don't really have much control of what they are in this life. And as people go through life and suffering enters their lives, they're reminded they cannot get through without God's help. How many times are Christians brought back into faithfulness only through personal calamity and suffering in their lives? Why does that happen? Because our selfishness is such that we become overly confident in ourselves. And we too might pray and not like the full aspect of suffering. And pray, if it be possible, let this cup of suffering pass from me. Let us always conclude with, nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. The suffering of Jesus was as necessary as gravity is necessary to satisfy the perfections of God's righteousness, to demonstrate his holiness and his hatred of sin. People want to talk just about God's love. He hates sin. And in the Bible, he demonstrates his hatred of people Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Jesus submitted himself in weakness to suffering. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, shows this submission of Christ. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lived by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobate. You do have something to prove. You should prove that you're a Christian. Amen. You should demonstrate it to others with your life. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, shows us that Jesus made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in the passion as a man, he humbled himself. That word humbled there is a Greek word, tapeno. Maybe you've heard the term tapestry, tapestry. The Greek word tapes is the word for rug or carpet. And that's the word that is chosen here by the Holy Spirit and translated humble. He became like a carpet. Everyone walked. Became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Suffered in order to comfort. In order to comfort us. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. We see Jesus, who was made a little more than the angels for the suffering of death. That word suffering there is a Greek word, pathema. We get the word pathetic. He allowed himself to be, though the creator of the universe, he allowed himself to be in a pathetic condition of suffering, of death. 
And he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man, for it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through a faith, a faith, sufferings. Verse 18 of Hebrews chapter 5 has another word for sufferings, and it's the word pasco, from which the word Passover comes. And focuses upon the, ex the experience and sensations of suffering, or the word pathema, pathetic, focuses upon something that's undergone. <coughs> In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, for that he himself had suffered, emphasizing the sensation and the experience, Pasco has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor and is able to help to relieve them that are tempted. By going through this, he knows what you've experienced because he experienced it. <coughs> Teenagers go through, and children go through all kinds of growing Jesus went through that too. Perfectly. He knows what you experience. And he can comfort it, he can help it. He learned how to talk. Isn't that amazing? What paradox is this? At that moment, he controls the universe and the tongues of people throughout the world and the languages of everyone in the world were his. And yet he was a babe learning how to talk, experiencing that human development as you experience it. He's able to aid, comfort all of you that are children. For those that are in adulthood, Jesus entered into adulthood and experienced even more excruciating problems than we have. He was created and submitted himself to the abuse of mankind and the jealousies and the cursings. Christ is our example of suffering. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21, for even here in two were you called because Christ also suffered. That's how the Paschal again, which emphasizes the experience and sensation of the suffering. Suffer for us, leaving us an example that he should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth. Don't you snap back, don't you blow your temper. Jesus didn't, he's our example. He suffered through these experiences too. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judged righteousness. For as much, First Peter 4, 1 says, Then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh, past flesh, hath ceased from sin, that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Christ is our example of suffering. Now listen, as we look at all of this, let's just not think it was a time of the past. It is also a time of the present, for Jesus is alive. And Christians, you will suffer. In Acts chapter 9, verse 15, the Lord revealed to Ananias that Paul was And Ananias was afraid to go and witness to Paul. Because Paul was known as a persecutor of Christians at that time. He hated Christians. He was unsaved. But he was one of God's chosen. And the Lord spoke to Ananias. and said, Go thy way, for he has chosen a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles. And Ananias was afraid. God comforted him and said further, For I will show him how great things he must suffer 
And that's the same word Passover. It was used with Christ as well. Supper or wine made sin. Jesus is our Savior. And Christians, we will suffer too. If this world crucified our Savior, do we expect to be treated better? Romans 8 16 has a word that emphasizes suffering with them. Word Pascal is soon in front of it. Soon is the preposition that means with it. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit, Romans 8 16 says, that we are the children of God, and children and heirs, heirs of God, and joy heirs of Christ, if so be that we suffer with him. That we may also may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings, and that's the other word for sufferings, the word from which we get the word pathetic, pathena. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, Romans 8, 18 and forge, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Yes, Christians, you will suffer. Jesus suffered. But there's no comparison to what's coming. Suffer through these experiences. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Let that be your prayer. Christians, you will suffer. Suffer for others. First John chapter 3, verse 16 records for us, hereby perceive me the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brother. Suffer that others might have you as your example learned from you. You have the benefit of your life as a testimony we too might pray in times of suffering that Jesus prayed. And there's nothing wrong with asking God to remove the pain. Job was not incorrect in asking for relief from his suffering. But let us pray in Jesus. We ask in my name. Jesus says, Father, Asking in Jesus' name. To me, it's something like this. Um, I, when I had a secretary do my typing, there were times when I would ask the secretary to uh, review my mail and answer the letters for me in, in my name, put my name on it. So she would type up the letters, she thought it should be, and she knew what I wanted, basically, and the secretary pretty much learns to think like uh, the person that she works for thinks as well. And she typed for me the response that she thought I would give to the inquiry. And she would type it up then, and it would be sent out in my name. Now I would review it before it actually finally went out. And if there was a mistake in it, or some wording I didn't like, or maybe something incorrect in it, then I would mark it out and pencil the side to correction. And either give it back to her to be retyped if it was of a formal nature, needed to be uh, without any air shown in it, or I wanted to send it and uh, with the corrections written to the side. When we pray in Jesus' name, I can I put this, we're asking Jesus to do that for us. If we have, as the secretary, typed it or said it wrong, we are asking for Jesus to correct it. Right. And we are submitting to his will if we mean that when we pray in his name. We are asking not my will, but thine be done. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Pray in Jesus' name. And I trust to you that means as Jesus prayed before the Father, Let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou Not my will, but your will, Christ. He suffered the human covenants. He covers us and his will be done. Amen. Amen.